You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric is so here, excited to be joined by 2017 NLC LA Engaged fellow. Gabriela Landeros is here, our first engaged person to come on. I'm excited. Lots of cool things going on in her life, so let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. All right, Gabriela, you're the first person to ask before recording if dog noise would be an issue. So tell me about this dog, because now I'm very curious. Is this a new dog in your life? Do I have that right? <laughs> yes, I've had him for two years. His name is Moby. Um, he uh, got him through an old coworker who found his mom on the street, um, and I adopted one of uh, one of her puppies. So yeah, I've, been, I've had him for two years. Okay, well, I'm excited we may be joined by the noises of a dog. I think that actually will increase our listenership because we have a lot of dog fans. So I'm glad. If it does, <laughs> if, it, if it does happen, we'll make sure to put it in the notes for the episode. Um, listen, I'm glad we can connect. The first thing I want to talk to you about, because I get asked this a lot uh, from from alums who are kind of plotting some of their uh, prof- professional moves when it comes to being on a commission. So I know that's been something that's been happening in your life. Tell us a little bit about what commission you're on. Yes, I'm on the planning commission for South El Monte, California. Um, I'm actually one of the first two women to be appointed to the planning commission since the city incorporated in 1958. Um, in my position here, I act in advisory capacity to the city council on all matters pertaining to community development. So in this case, specifically um, the planning department. So let me ask you a couple of questions. And so is this something that you sought out? Someone recommends you? How does it even come to be? Yeah. So um, every year the city does uh, new appointments for each commission. Uh, There is the planning commission. There is the community services. There's there's also the veterans um, advisory commission. Um, Planning commission was actually something I've got interested in planning uh, during my um, when I was working on the Proposition JJJ campaign through um, my work at the LA Fed. And I really got into uh, the weeds of what goes into planning in the city of Los Angeles. And it was just something that always fascinated me. So I wanted to find a way where I can invest in my community and do something locally uh, to give back um, on the Planning Commission. So then if somebody asks you, hey, I want to be on a commission, what kind of steps should I take to position myself so that at some point when someone needs to appoint somebody, they would think of me, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say um, definitely see where there's opportunities where you can either learn from folks or get involved on a campaign that maybe deals with affordable housing or zoning changes or anything that involves any type of planning, see where you kind of get your feet wet. Uh, That would be the first step um, I recommend. Also, get to know the folks in your city. Get to know the leaders um, in your local government. Um, Let them know, hey, I'm interested. Um, This is always a good opportunity. We need young leaders, women, people of color to get involved. Um, And this isn't a, um, I was appointed. So there's always opportunities to either get appointed or also run a campaign as well. So then what actually happens at the meetings themselves and how often do you guys meet? What's on the agenda more often than not? Yes, uh, the meetings happen once a month. Um, It usually, it can vary anything between a, um, someone wanting to add an an additional um, space to their backyard or to their house or anything from a business that wants to ask for a permit to build in the city. So they definitely range. Usually, uh, permits are the most common that we see in our meetings. So then, with so much debate about affordable housing, people strenuously arguing there should just be tons more housing built, 
people also strenuously arguing there's got to be tons of protections for people that are already uh, strapped to pay mortgages or to pay rent. How are you balancing those two things when people come before you? Definitely. Um, so affordable housing, um, definitely see this as an issue in Los Angeles and we're starting to see it, um, in the suburbs and, um, the other cities outside of Los Angeles. I mean, you're seeing people getting pushed out and either moving uh, further East or to the San Fernando Valley. Um, and definitely anytime, if there's going to be a new building, made in the city, um, it's always good to ask, or if a developer wants to build in the city, it's always good to ask, you know, are you going to include any type of affordable housing? Um, are there going to be um, maybe any options for local hire? See where we can really get local community involvement, not only to um, help work on those jobs, but also um, to, as well to be able to afford and give young folks the opportunity to buy their first home. And then what was your take on the Senate bill that recently didn't make it out of committee uh, from Scott Wiener with SB 827 that would have really given opportunities for the state to play a larger role in more density around transit zones and those kind of things? I think admitting that local communities haven't always done right by what is needed in the times and maybe have done more protectionism that you'd want to see. What was your take on that bill and and what do you see happening next? Yeah, I mean, I definitely believe... um, that we should always push for um, more affordable housing, um, whether that is, um, it's always good to do it near transit stops where, um, cause that's gonna be the most populated area. So it's always good to do it near transit stops. But, um, you know, obviously I know that uh, the state leaders, they um, pushed pause on that Senate bill. Um, and it is really, I know there was a lot of controversy around it on upzoning, but, there's also, I mean, there's also other opportunities, and I always feel that there's not just one bill that will solve all the problems. It's a piece of the pie. Um, so there obviously will also be other opportunities, too, to build more affordable housing and give more opportunities to folks. Yeah. Hey, let's switch gears, because I know the commission isn't the only thing that you do, and it doesn't necessarily pay all the bills, I imagine. So what's the actual uh, thing that you do to pay the bills when people ask you, hey, what's your actual job? What do you say? Yes, uh, I'm currently the press secretary at the LA County Federation of Labor. Um, So in this capacity, um, we represent over 300 affiliated unions and over 800,000 workers throughout the county of Los Angeles. So everyone from Hollywood to the docks, everyone in between. Um, Our mission of the organization is to really safeguard the rights of working people um, and make a real difference for their families and communities, whether that's in the form of a campaign we're pushing or through our organizing efforts. Um, We really empower workers to organize. Um, So in my position specifically, my role is to support unions with any media needs they need, including content creation, if they are are going on strike and they need some press attention on that. I'll be helping them with that. I also prepare the Federation's president for me and speaking obligations. Um, I also coordinate the communication strategy around our campaigns, uh, raise the wage, uh, proposition JJJ, um, manage our digital platform. So I'm a one person communication shop. Um, and I learned a lot in my uh, three years there and, um, um, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, I love telling the stories of working families, and um, and this is a this is a great opportunity. So, when you are telling these stories, what message right now resonates the most with people about the need for unions and about worker protections? 
Yes, definitely. Um, right now, more than ever, um, especially during this political climate we're in, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of attacks from the national landscape. And I think the one common thread, you know, whether you support unions or not, I think all of us, I think all people can believe, um, believe that, you know, we all want a steady job to be able to pay the bills, raise a family. Um, and really, because I grew up in a union household, it was because that's how I was able to get some of the benefits I had growing up, whether it was health care, access to higher education. Um, so just basic needs like that and basic things that we all rely on um, is why we need unions and why organizing is important. And so when events happen, like it's been happening in West Virginia and Kentucky with the teachers, and that's not necessarily the direct union you're working with, obviously, but when those events happen, does that change the calculus for your work? Does it set off uh, a chain of events within your office and everyone kind of kicks into overdrive and sees a real opportunity there? What, what actually happens on your side of things when something else happens strike-wise in uh, other states? Definitely. Um so, I mean, we saw that with the teachers and I mean, we're seeing it now with a similar case with Janice versus AFSCME, um, that's going to be a pen, we're going to have to see a pending decision, in the Supreme Court, um, where it'll basically take away the freedom of teachers, nurses, firefighters, clerks, um, to have unions strong enough to bargain for what their families need. Um, and when instances like this, it happened, so, um, as the teachers in Virginia, this is an opportunity where, um, either organize our grassroots organizing really has to go up a level and whether that is uh, changing tactics or starting from the bottom up, this is really an opportunity uh, to lay out our organizing needs and laying out um, how we're going to uh, shift um, the, the, the events that are occurring. Yeah, that makes sense. Listen, when we come back, we'll ask a little bit more about how Gabriela got to where she is. You're listening to The Zag. Stay tuned. All right, so walk me back a little bit how you ended up returning to L.A. because it was a return. So you were in D.C. for a, a couple of years doing what? I was holding various communication jobs in D.C. D.C. is where I started um, my career. I started as a communications associate at the National Hispanic Council on Aging. I was doing some digital strategy work for a firm called New Partners. So I was running digital programs for um, Muriel Bowser for D.C. Mayor, the Pennsylvania Democratic Party, Bob Casey for Senate. And then from there, my most recent position, I was a press assistant at the U.S. Department of Commerce serving in the Obama administration. Um, so I was doing everything from crafting content for our English and Spanish Twitter feeds. Uh, I developed and implemented a process for reporting daily activities to the White House. Um, so everything from uh, social to drafting content, I was doing that. But I always knew that I wanted to come back to my hometown if the opportunity came up. Um, and I, this is how I heard about the opportunity at the LA Fed. I wanted a chance to, to give back, put down some roots and really start investing um, back in my hometown. So then because you deal so much with the, the press and the media and you're creating content that has to be consumed by folks, what is your, your take on how the media has evolved in the last couple of years, especially in the, the age of Trump? What ways could you see itself getting better as an industry so that it better serves the people? Definitely. I mean, we can see it just recently from the LA Times victory. Um, the LA Times uh, 
they formed a union and you see that transformation really um, you see the, the need for unions and especially now in this administration, but I mean, you are seeing like obviously other organizations like digital organizations also come to terms that the power of a union to really strengthen uh, benefits in the workplace. So, I mean, the LA times did a really creative campaign socially um, on social media, they were using really great PR to really get their message across and fight for a union. So that's just an example of how um, media and the news agencies are transforming. A lot of our content now is being digested um, on social media. Um, the print is still alive, but obviously we're seeing a shift more towards broadcast and digital Um so it is definitely changing um, with time. So we have to always figure out new and innovative ways to get our message across. And then uh, of things you've seen when you're trying to reach, say, a younger audience and either educate them about unions or rally them to the cause of unions, yeah, is it then primarily going in a social media platform and the messages are the same? Or do you have to tweak both the message and always constantly experiment with the platform to figure out how to reach the kids? Definitely. Um, always find out where the kids are at. So uh, Instagram is a is a popular platform to uh, to reach the younger generation. Facebook is obviously the most widely used social media platform. Um, I think the way to get uh, younger members more involved is really teaching from the beginning. Because of unions, we have a weekend. We have the forty hour work week. Um, you know, explain just from the basics of the role of unions. Um, and then from there, that kind of gains curiosity. Um, and from there, you're able to really attract younger members and really engage folks who haven't historically been engaged. Maybe last thing on this point, when you think of younger millennials, or younger working folks, especially those that are heavily involved in the gig economy, what ways do you see those kind of folks potentially tapping into unions or unionizing themselves. Yeah, the gig economy, as we're seeing with Uber and Lyft, it's a fast moving and it's a growing industry. Um, we've, I know um, in states across the country, like particularly Washington State, they organized a little bit in the gig economy. Um, and it's almost a thing like where the work, when the workforce changes, we always have to rethink our organizing and how we're reaching them. Um, so it's very much the way we're connected and how unions are adapting to those changes as well. Um, I mean, technology is moving fa faster than, um, than what we think. So always think of how we can adapt to these changes and modify the tactics we have usually been using historically. Nice. Uh, give us some things to look for and watch for the rest of 2018. Any political races or any uh, union things that we can support? What kind of things should we keep an eye on content-wise? Yeah, so there's it's a big midterm election year. Um, so obviously follow, continue following the Janus Supreme Court case. Um, there's going to be a huge, um, play a huge role with union membership, uh, not only in Los Angeles, but across the country. Um, I would also, uh, there's also a couple of events coming up that I recommend folks to join. We have the annual May Day March and Rally happening next Tuesday at 12 noon on the corner of 6th and Olive Street. Um, this is being put by the May Day Coalition of Los Angeles, where we'll be promoting um, 
defending and protecting workers' rights, fighting against the anti-immigrant agenda, um, and also underlying the importance of civic engagement in this year's midterm elections. Um, on Saturday, May 12th, we also have a, a Stamp Out Hunger food drive. This is a volunteer-led food drive led by the National Association of Letter Carriers, the LA Fed, Labor Community Services, and United Way of Greater Los Angeles, where um, it's the nation's largest single-day event that spreads across America to help provide assistance to Americans who are struggling with hunger. So on that day, make sure to leave your bag of food out. Um, we'll also, we'll need some volunteers that day to help sort out food. So if you want infor more information, go on the LAFed.org and look at services. Um, there you can get more information. Um, definitely, um, we're also doing a, a lot of work in CE25. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and that's it. Just a um, couple events and mid midterm um, elections this year to look forward to. Awesome. Well, thanks for plugging all that stuff and thanks for your hard work. And thanks for everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can find them all in the iTunes store, Google Play, SoundCloud. And we've also added The Zag to Spotify and Stitcher. You can't escape us. You can only find us. 59 episodes in the book, even more coming next week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.